Hello and welcome to the Courage To Be podcast, where we explore how to raise your game, lean into discomfort and have more impact and purpose. I am your host, Sinead Millard. Don't take our word at face value. Listen to your own body, do your own research, whether that's you're reading actual research articles or you're more, you know, somatically engaged with your body or whatever it is, like, because you don't want to, you know, you don't want the next thing to be, you know, intuitive eating to become this dogmatic thing that you have to do and you have to, you know, because yeah. that's the danger of these things, you know, even having a framework sometimes yeah. because people have been doing what you might call intuitive eating and they don't call it that at all. You know, they have other things, other teachings. So it's just really important that we're kind of constantly checking in and tuning in with our own values and our own bodies to feel what a yes feels like, feel what feels right for me. Hello everyone, welcome back to this week's conversation where I'm joined by Sinead and Gillian from Intuitive Eating Ireland. I came across Intuitive Eating Ireland on Instagram, I've included the link in the show notes. I guess it's over six months ago now after Sinead very kindly shared a conversation I had with Jenny Keane here on the podcast, which of course prompted me to go and check out the page. And I was instantly, of course, for me, it was it was it was an introduction and an education on intuitive eating itself. But I was really drawn into the way in which Sinead and Gillian communicate with their community. Talking about topics that are sensitive, everything from health to body image, to fat phobia, to diet culture, to emotions dealing with difficult emotions various different topics and they have this beautiful way of opening up each of these topics in a way that's incredibly respectful and shame free and that allows their community and certainly allowed me to play with what that meant for me and I think that was the really important I think hopefully you get that across this conversation too this is not about following a particular approach or there being a perfect or a right or wrong approach but rather allowing ourselves to yes be empowered and informed by the information that's out there but then take that in and digest that and, and make a decision based on what's right for us as individuals so it's a pretty long conversation so I'll keep the intro short um as always love to hear your feedback that's all for me I'll hand you over to Sinead and Gillian Welcome to the show, girls. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. So I'm really curious. I always like to kind of go back in time a little and better understand, I guess, life before um, moving to an intuitive eating approach. And I'm sure that feels like kind of a big, big starting point. But if we could just for both of you, I guess, what was your pathway towards the work that you're doing today with Intuitive Eating Ireland? Yeah. Mm. Well, do you want yeah, to go first? <laughs> I would say that the the pathway was pain and suffering, really, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. So I probably, yeah, my first, one of my first conscious memories of being aware of my body was when I was about eight and a family member made a comment about how many crackers I was eating and, you know, that kind of sense of, you know, food and, and, and my weight and, you know, a shame around that. And I suppose it, it, it continued on for, for many years, um, internalizing those kind of fears of if I gain weight will I be loved you know is is being in a bigger body a bad thing those kind of ideas that you almost absorb through the culture through family and then in my late teens I suppose I started dieting and then I started binging a few years later and it just became this diet you know binge restrict cycle for many years it changed 
faces and shapes a lot. It, it turned into kind of clean eating and wellness dieting. You know, when I was in my kind of later 20s, I became really interested in health and yoga. But I also took up, I found a lot of new, maybe not so helpful habits. Boredom, kind exhaustion of as well. And, and um, fear. Yeah, fear just got to a point where my whole life would God, be spent enough enough. like, like my mental space day in, day out. Kind of my time with my like kids, my time with going out with friends, my, my time with going on holidays. Just the fear that it would be all consumed all the time about what my body looked like, that that was going to always be center stage. And yeah, so kind of, it, it kind of shed layers throughout the years in terms of letting go of, of a lot and, and letting go of having to look a certain way. But it takes a long time because the conditioning is so strong, I feel, particularly for, for women and, you know, other people in marginalized bodies as well. Um, so, yeah, it just came at the right time. We both kind of found intuitive eating separately, but around the same time. And then slowly over time, we, we began to kind of talk more and more together about it. And yeah, that's where it started. Yeah, I think for me, like the thing, what, what comes into my mind is like the pathway was boredom exhaustion and fear fear that my whole life would be spent like my mental space day in day out my time with my kids my time with going out with friends my time with going on holidays just the fear that it would be all consumed all the time about like what my body looked like that that was going to always be center stage and I was actually like you know, I was so fearful that I would get to the point where like my grandmother, who's the most amazing woman, would mention having to be on Weight Watchers for like one of our, you know, the cousin, the cousin's wedding. And I was like, this, this can't, this can't be me. I I cannot be wanting to do Weight Watchers or thinking I have to do Weight Watchers when I'm in my 80s. Like this, we, we've got to draw a line here somewhere. This is uh, enough is enough. And like similar to Gillian, I suppose, like, you know, I would have remembered being young there was often remarks of like oh the crows love their food you know there was always this yeah. kind of like you know and, and what that meant like because what that wasn't a neutral comment of the crows love their food right because like well who doesn't love food right but yeah. it was it was also insinuating that that was maybe a bad thing and that like you know um that's something that maybe um I, I experienced shame around that like that I that I did love food and how that kind of I suppose, rolled into teenage years. And well, for me, and it wasn't until I started intuitive eating that I remembered this because some part of the workbook makes you kind of ask questions and reflect back on like your earliest memories. And I had totally forgotten um, that when I was in primary school, I was involved in this like accident, traumatic accident uh, on, a, on a school tour and like helicoptered in from the Aran Islands and spent the whole summer in hospital. And looking back on it like I was there a lot of the time by myself because my parents were working and I had three other small kids etc but I remember like family members coming in every day and I have to say like this the staff I still remember Ruth she was down in the playroom in the pediatric Aww. unit and like uh, and I remember like they were just so good to me and I but every day was food 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 was brought in every day so I remember like it's funny you just don't forget I had Mentos and Monster Munch every day brought in right so basically by the end of the summer and I was going back to um I think it was four class and like I distinctly remember being very conscious of like God, whatever about people wondering about what happened with the accident and 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 maybe like what my hand might have looked like now. I remember being more conscious that I'd all of a sudden gained a lot of weight and my body looked very different to the other girls in my class. And then kind of moving on from that, I suppose, um, 
I feel like it somewhat dissolved for a couple of years until I got a bit older, but I don't know. I'm sure it was there in the background. But then I had like got pregnant quite young. And like the truth of it is, it was, you know, an unplanned pregnancy. And, um, you know, I was only 19. And I think between the probably the stress and the fact that I had been dieting previously for like two years and Weight Watchers and had lost a lot of weight. When I got pregnant, I gained a huge amount of weight um, throughout pregnancy. Um, and, and not that there's no right or wrong way to or uh, mm-hmm. amount of weight to gain, but I, I did gain a lot of weight. And I think it was predominantly down to the stress really of the whole thing and 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 also the fact on the back of of the diet previous um and then I would have spent the next literally whatever it was 15 years um on the binge restrict cycle and similar to Gillian like binging all week uh or binging at the weekend and restricting all week and you know people around me would have thought like you know oh she's so disciplined oh Mm. she's so healthy Oh, she's so mm. like motivated, right? All these things that I would hear because I'd be in work all week and people would be like oogling over my lunch going, oh my God, you're just so disciplined. And this kept probably fed um, a lot of the disordered eating all week. But li- little did people know that at the weekend from Friday evening till Sunday evening, it was mm. consumed with like, you know, food, 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 binging, binging, being like incredibly uncomfortable and then feeling huge amounts of guilt and shame and fear and dread of starting again on Monday. So, I, I, yeah, I was immersed. And then I thought, I'll just study nutrition. <laughs> Surely if I study nutrition, yeah. I found find out exactly what I need to do in order to stop the binging. Um so I studied nutrition for a couple of years and I was kind of, as Jillian mentioned, like got caught in the wellness trap, um, was trying all sorts of extreme quote unquote, like wellness, um, diets, etc. And like, you know, it, when you're in it, you don't see that it's dieting. When you're in it, you don't see that it's restriction. When you're in it, you think it's normal and healthy and like that you're being super smart and actually, um, you know, yeah, it took me a couple of years to realize, wow, this is actually more stressful. Like I got to the point where I was so stressed about my kids lunches going to school. I found that like Mm. I wanted to have the most healthiest lunch for them. Like, you know, God forbid I would send them to school with like, you know, a white bread ham and cheese sandwich. Like that was an absolute non-runner when I was knee deep in that space. And um, like how privileged I was to be able to buy everything, like costing me a fortune in, in, in the health food stores week in, week out. Like literally most of my shopping was in the health food store, buying really expensive products, thinking that I was doing the right thing. But actually I was so stressed about it all the time. And then I suppose we had been, we had been kind of coming to that point where I was, we were both getting exhausted and bored and fed up with this going like, this couldn't be it, this couldn't be life. Mm-hmm. And we kind of came to intuitive eating probably about two years ago now or over two years ago now. And yeah, there wasn't really much in the space of Ireland talking about it that we knew of at the time. So we kind of said, well, let's start up a a, a little Instagram community and see where it goes. But we've since found that there's obviously loads of people having this conversation and talking about intuitive eating and, and health at every size and all the rest of it and diet culture. So yeah, it's been been a lovely experience really in the last couple of years to um to navigate this practice of intuitive eating, which definitely is not a straight, not a straight road. It's definitely got some it ebbs and flows. Yeah, that that's amazing. I think and I'm dying to get on to more of that and what that looks like. I think what's really struck me about what you've both shared there is even in you sharing obviously a lot of the work and digging that you've done to reflect on 
some of the conditioning um, that you had growing up and some of the messages that you received, they're starting to come up in my mind and I'm sure listeners are having the same. And even just to pause and 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 give the audience an opportunity to, to think about that, maybe not now, but maybe to hold that with them for a few weeks. I think some of the thoughts I had, I remember I was wearing a pair of Levi jeans and you know, they have the size of, on the back of, of yeah. you can see, see what size they are. And I'll never forget it. I had no concept of size at all. I was young enough to have no concept of size. So I was still in primary school. I can't remember what age. And I remember I was at the local golf club and we were playing on the stairs inside and someone said, oh my God, I can't remember. I can't believe you're that in Levi's. Mm. And oh. I remember just having this sinking feeling of just like, it's a funny one because it was like an immediate sense of shame and just yeah. like, oh my God, I'm never wearing these Levi's again. But also it's interesting because I can't remember having thoughts around that before that point yeah. in time. And I think therein lies maybe a lot of more to come. I remember in fourth class, we were all weighed and our height was put up on the on the, um, on the the wall. And then kind of those that were a little bit on the heavier side their lunch was looked at so there was a lot of things that obviously wow. just was mm. incredibly inappropriate but but I think it is just important to reflect on this conditioning because it you know it's not right it's not wrong it's just the reality and I think there's a few things that come up for me is how do we get that balance you know I've got two little girls between wrapping them up in cotton wool and realizing that they are going to get messages from the outside world it's everywhere um yeah. so I think maybe I don't want to jump too quickly but because uh, we still haven't really talked about what intuitive eating is but also yeah. I'm really curious about raising intuitive eaters and I listened to your podcast on this and I've dabbled around with them then I'm like oh Jesus Christ Juliet just keeps asking for ice cream mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a nightmare yeah. uh, so I'm, I'm kind of interested in in maybe going into that a little bit but also perhaps there's a little bit of foundation that we need to lay for the listeners in terms of this approach in general for sure yeah yeah, sounds good. I think that, well, I suppose let's just start with kind of what intuitive eating is. Mm. There wouldn't, there wouldn't, there wouldn't be a need to have a framework of, of, to guide us on how to eat if it wasn't for diet culture. Intuitive eating is just eating, <laughs> but uh, we, we, we've had to obviously, or not we, but obviously the two dietitians, Evelyn Tribbley and Elise Resch, that came up with this in the nineties, um, Obviously, because of diet culture, we've so many of us, like literally most of the population have been like unplugged from listening to and responding to our body's cues on what we know innately from when we were born. Like when we're born, we know whether it's breast or bottle that like you start suckling when you want the milk and then you pull away when you're done. Right. But when we're when, you know, at some point along that road, we're told by an outside source, whether that's a caregiver or a teacher at school or wherever it is that like, no, you've had enough or whatever it is. And we lose that ability then to respond to these cues as we as we get older, because there's all sorts of out, outside messages about what we should and shouldn't be eating. And also you throw in the mix the fear of fatness in our society. So we become hyper conscious of our body and 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 and, and conscious of what food might do to our bodies in terms of gaining weight, etc. So ultimately, these two dietitians in the states they they um did they were seeing clients uh, for weight loss, and what they saw over a long period of time was that everybody lost weight temporarily on a calorie restricted diet, which we know is possible and and happens, but temporarily they would lose it, and in the long run, people were coming back in with having the weight gained back, uh, and often more weight. So they often ended up 
heavier than what they started off with. And they saw this happening time and time and time again. So they realized that the dieting and the restriction was the problem. It, it wasn't that it was anything down to the individuals. It's that diets don't work long term. We know this for, for majority of people. There's always exceptions to every rule, but for majority of people. So they put together this framework. It's like a self-care framework um, to, uh, that's comprised I suppose, of 10 principles um, that allows us to, it kind of works in two ways. Uh, one is that it, it allows us to tap back in to our body's signals. It, it shows us how we can listen in and observe and know and, and become a, a neutral observer of what's going on in our mind. And it also, it also shows us how we can unplug from diet culture, how we can switch off from listening to the rules and how we can challenge some of the rules and beliefs around body and food that's been uh, thrown at us, projected at us from our fat phobic society. And, you know, it draws on kind of three main, uh, like it draws on our intuition, our emotions and our rational thought. So essentially, that's it. What that's the framework in in in, in a nutshell. It's a mind, a body uh, reconnection framework, and um, yeah, ultimately, it would, it would just be called eating. <laughs> I always find it's important to say that it's not another diet because it would literally be just normal, regular eating. <laughs> yeah, the dad. Yeah, and I was just uh, going to say that that bit about you know the tapping into like hunger and fullness signals I can't like overstate how disconnected to that part we can be and I suppose you know I had been learning about interoception which is this kind of embodiment like how do we feel in our bodies for a long time but yet I still didn't trust my hunger signals I still thought that was wrong that I wanted to eat more than I thought I should have or that I wanted to eat that I was craving a particular food but what I, I didn't really look at is the fact that when we start to restrict, we start to have cravings for foods. And also when we are restricting for a period of time and then we allow ourselves to eat, our hunger and full, fullness signals are all over the place and we're not mm. trusting our bodies. So I suppose now I'm, I'm in a very different place. If I'm hungrier on a, any given day or I'm eating more than normal, I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. There's no judgment because mm. the the fear in the past, it's always been this fear of fatness you know this fear of gaining weight and really you have to pull apart the weight and the health also because that's what wellness culture cannot can do a lot is we kind of put these two things together where actually you know they are also very separate in a way so pulling some of those things apart and that's what the intuitive eating framework allowed me to do is to to, to take those things apart and kind of look at them a little bit more clearly and uh yeah yeah even just to draw on that, like the, the intuitive eating framework is very much aligned with the health at every size um, paradigm shift that I would hope more and more healthcare practitioners will become become familiar with. And this is just, you know, it's 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 a framework that allows us to focus on health promoting behaviors and how we can actually improve our health and well-being without ever restricting and without ever having to pursue intentional weight loss. Um, and it's obviously, well, that's the health at every size is a, a very important social justice movement. It's, it's about tackling weight stigma and the discrimination of marginalized bodies and, and fighting for equal and respectful health care for all bodies, regardless of size, which is not something that we see, actually. Like if you if we asked most Irish doctors, do they know what health at every size is? Uh, you know, or, you know, anything about it, the, the likely answer is no. And it's really sad because um, and it's 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 just desperate, really, because we are we are treating people um, time and time again within this um, within this diet culture, um, you know, uh, 
problematic um, thinking that weight loss is going to be the, 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 the solution to all of our problems. And if only we could lose weight, then we're going to be feeling healthy, etc. When actually it's super stressful to be continuously on a diet. And um, yeah, so I don't know. I've gone on a tangent there. No, yeah. it's just, just, it's just adding more shame because every time you fail at the diet it's not that it's not you that's failing it's the diet but we don't yeah. we don't know that when we're in diet culture we think it's it's us you're just adding more shame more shame more shame and we know that you know shame can't lead to wellness to joy to energy you know it's all the things that we want happiness you know that's not the path to you know well-being so mm. the yeah the diet's don't work in a nutshell. I think that's, I think that's obvious. <laughs> we're saying they don't work. <laughs> and it's interesting, Gillian, you were talking about like not listening to your hunger cues or suppressing that. Did that filter into your life in other ways? So generally, how, how did you move through uncomfortable emotions or heavy emotions, mm-hmm. whether that's pain, frustration, sadness, yeah. whatever they were, do, do you start to push everything away or is that taking it a step too far? Yeah, so yeah, I suppose I would identify as kind of a quite sensitive person, quite empathic. Mm. And I suppose I kind of had to, or I felt like I had to maybe tune some of that out as I grew up, you know. And then when I kind of came into my 20s and I found some yogic teachings and, you know, was starting to become more familiar with my feelings, what did it mean to feel feelings? I I did a lot of spiritual bypassing and bypassing for quite a few years because it was very painful to be with uncomfortable feelings it took me a long time to feel safe enough and to feel contained enough in my body and I've done done that through yoga through um you know some somatic therapy through being in community with other women and in circles and stuff like that to feel safe enough to actually feel what has come up but what I found since I've began to trust my body with food I am now able to experience a lot more of the good stuff the pleasure the joy the fun the energy energy and even even the um you know being able to feel sadness and grief and all pain I can do it now I, I don't feel so terrified by my body and what's happening somatically um now that's taken a long time and I suppose just to say for anyone who's experienced you know maybe a lot of trauma in their past that's often you know you often do need someone to to be there with you to to work through that stuff but for for most of us we have stuff that we've disconnected from and I think you know particularly now we're at a time where you know, maybe distractions aren't the same. We, we're we almost forced in a way to turn towards our bodies and ourselves because, you know, it's that expression of wherever you go, there you are. You're with yourself all of the time. So learning to be in some kind of harmony with your own body is um, is a gift. Yeah. And I think it's, it's uh, something that has helped me. So the food has definitely been a doorway into a lot of other healing in my life for sure. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. And as you guys were speaking earlier about your journeys of of dieting and the amount of energy that you were giving to thinking about it, as you move towards this intuitive eating approach, what does life look like in terms of that, I guess, energy for other things? Because I'm thinking of all the hours spent kind of thinking about what will I eat now or am I whatever that may be. Do you notice a shift? Oh, yeah. I mean, like. I just think about like things just make me I look back and I and I, and it's not that I can laugh but I kind of look back and go god like to think that like in the past if there was something like coming up at the weekend on a Saturday night let's say and I was meeting friends 
I would spend the full week either thinking about that outfit, uh, like maybe doing some kind of mad restriction for a few days so that I might be slightly smaller by the time that I meet them on a Saturday. I would be kind of both dreading it and excited for it. And like, it's just such a different world that if I got a call right now to go out this minute, exactly as I am, I will be there. I would show up and I know it's going to be perfectly fine. And I think that, like that to me, just like it just reminds me of how much time and energy week in, week out would have been spent daily planning meals and just it was just all consuming mental space for nothing else. And I think that I mean, like my mental space is still is still in a way um, somewhat consumed because with not with food, but now with the whole intuitive eating, because I suppose we're we're at the point now with our Instagram page where yeah, I have to, uh, maybe it, this is just a note for my mind. and I, I need to reflect on this because a lot of time and energy does go into the page. So I'm still immersed in it right now. So maybe I do, I do believe that if it was a case that like Jillian is kind of, I suppose, pulled back to some degree because she's got lots going on in her own life. So I think she probably would be better to answer this, that it's a bit different for me because I'm doing a lot on the page. So I'm talking about food and diet culture and all of that a lot right now. Um, I'm not going to be doing that long term, but at the moment I am. So I don't know. Do you want to, mm. do you find that like, because you're maybe not doing that as much, what do you think? Yeah. So, um, yeah, when, when I look, when I look way far back and when I think about like ringing Sinead to list out the things that I ate that day, like I can't think of anything more boring, more torture that I would be in that place now, but it, and, and it's changed definitely over the years, but, um, yeah, so I feel a freedom like nothing else. I feel, I feel so, um, thankful that I found this framework. I feel so thankful that I've been able to connect with other people even through the page to see the biggest thing for me when we started was it started as a journey of personal healing and then it became you know those kind of levels of activism in there now on the page and stuff like that but the community healing part was you know just to meet other people who were like me who were kind of binging in secret who were kind of really suffering but maybe didn't really know how much until they started to see and I think that was certainly me Mm. what I also find now is though the mind has this kind of funny habit of finding other problems mm. <laughs> to think about so mm. that comes up and I said that to a friend I find I said do you find now you just think about other things and, and we were joking about it and so for me then it's a it's having a mindfulness practice and a meditation practice to kind of to be aware of what's next you know it's just a turn of the spirals it's just another another layer and and it, it's not that um you know because you know the way Instagram can be a bit like it's not that my life is wonderful and perfect now and everything's sorted you know it's just yeah. the other things come and go but 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 the relief of the food and the body stuff like you know there are definitely days where I have bad body image days and I feel you know I might get sucked into kind of ideas about diet culture but you know I don't act on them now and I can become more aware of them more quickly and more clearly and I can be able to name it for what it is so there's a huge amount of healing and growth that's happened throughout this process and there are days where I'm just, you know, thinking about other things and other problems, you know. Yeah, I think we'll always find, won't the mind always find something else to try and problem solve? There's always going to be something. Um, yeah. So it's not like, yes, you can like, and I, I find the same, like, I feel like it just frees me up so much. Um, The freedom that I have now around my um my relationship with food and body and also with the kids. And my husband, like when I look back at it, honestly, I don't know how he didn't walk out the door. I don't know how many times because I would have spent a long time, like been super critical of him. But sure, of course, it was a projection. It was all my own. It was all my own stuff. And I know that now. 
um, and, and even with the kids, like just I found it all so stressful when I was knee deep in diet culture. So, I mean, our relationships at home are, are, are mm. so much better now. And um, yeah, I think it's just been dinner time is not torture anymore. Dinner time is not torture. Like, no, I'm not saying it's great. We're not the Waltons. Like we still, <laughs> you know, we still can kill one another. And um, there are times like I don't have any rules about what they have to eat or anything like that. And the only rule is sitting at the table. We all have to sit together, right? That's the only rule. So if you don't decide you wanted to eat something, that's absolutely fine. But you will sit at the table until the last person. But like, then you've got, you know, Evan would be like, I need to go to the toilet. And it's like, oh, I need to go to the toilet. And they're up and down. <laughs> you know, look at, you still have all of that fun. But um. But if I was to think back of the days where I'd be trying to eat my dinner and literally, uh, quite literally, nearly force feeding, you know, playing all the games, trying to get them to open up and eat and eat. Oh, my God. When I think back on it, it was just horrendous. So I think not just on an individual level, but I think on a family dynamic level, I think uh, they're all much happier that mom has ditched diet culture. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And you said some, I'm, I'm interested today when you mentioned about because that was an observation that I made when I was kind of discovered you guys and really resonated with what you had to say and then just generally following you on the page and and looking at how much energy you do give to the community which is just remarkable but getting that balance between so I guess personally sharing an example like I think we've all had a certain relationship with food and health and when I was maybe 25 no maybe younger went to Hippocrates Health Institute with which is um in Florida and it's basically a three-week life change program it's based on raw living you have lectures you learn a lot about food and health and I will say quite honestly it was a real moment in time for me in that I realized that actually I need to question things I need to be empowered and that followed through into you know birthing and lots of other areas into my life in terms of just don't believe what a doctor tells you and do your own research yes. but it did leave me with um very fixed views and beliefs on food and what was good yeah. and what was bad and it was all about raw living I came back to Ireland lived three years of raw living which did not suit me at all and actually in Chinese medicine I'm meant to have a lot of warm food and so there's a mm. lot of reasons as to why it didn't suit me and when I look back on that time I'm like oh my god like I must have you know a lot of my other values were jeopardized you know being invited to somebody's house and just going well, like I literally can't eat 80 percent of what's on your table like that's not that's really uncomfortable for me um mm. but but so so for me after that when I said no more I'm I just this I almost had to completely detach from anything to do with health or raw living. Or like I just didn't want to have any conversations around that. So I'm really interested in terms of how that's been for you, which is going through this journey, trying to perhaps give less attention to um, health or food, but then also really serving this community and getting that balance. What's that been like for you? Yeah, you know, I think that, um, and look, Gillian's been super, super uh, like the whole way through as well. And it's really only been re quite recently that I suppose she's got other priorities. And, and I, I know that I, I do give a lot of time and energy to to the page. And it's really quite important to me. I'm very passionate about it. And I have got energy for it at the moment. But I do also acknowledge that I'm I'm working full time. I've got four kids at home and, uh, you know, I it's busy. But actually, very recently, I'll tell you a story like about two months ago, I had an appointment for um, craniosacral therapy. I was I, I love who I go to. Um, I'm not going to name her because she's already busy enough. <laughs> and if, if anybody then wants to go to her, I'll never get an appointment again. <laughs> but um so I I and, and like I'm 
quite like I never forget appointments. I, you know, and I don't know what happened, but I literally the appointment went out the wind, like out of my mind. And I she texts me going, oh, you can come up now. And I was like somewhere else. And I and I, I obviously missed it. Um, and I couldn't believe it. And I was so angry at myself. And I was I rang Jillian crying. I actually rang you crying. I was like, oh, my God, this has never happened. I was so looking forward to it. what's going on. So anyways, I got over that, penciled in another appointment and it was for this week. And I remembered it the day before. So it was on Thursday, but and I remembered it on Wednesday, had it in my calendar, etc. And then all of a sudden it was for when I was just finishing work, I would have headed in, but I went off shopping, etc. And she texts saying, you can come up now. And I was like, oh my God, like what is going on, right? But it was interesting. We had a conversation. She phoned me and we we, we chatted it out. And when I was driving home, I realized it's and I, and I felt so much more at ease and 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 kind of for coming from a place of calmness as opposed to that anger, being so annoyed at myself that I forgot it. I, I just had this realization, Sinead, you, you aren't prioritizing your your self-care at the moment and other people's stuff is more important, is kind of a priority above your own. And I'm going to really reevaluate this now. So it's a great question because I'm just at a point now where I, I do think that maybe I will have to be more mindful of the energy that I'm putting into it because I am only one person and we get a lot of messages and um, I'm doing my best, but I can't let, I, I've got to prioritize me. Well, it just becomes practice what you preach as well. Doesn't yeah. it? It's a, it's a modeling thing. You can't say to people, you need to look after yourself and then not do the same. It's not, you know, that's mm. not in, in integrity then. And yeah. Um, you know, I think we're, 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 we're always, I think no matter who you are, no matter what you do, I find that with my own, my own work. And, but you know, if you're, if you're a, a mother at home with your kids, no matter what you're doing, you, it's always trying to find that, that balance, you know, but I want to just touch on something just that you mentioned today as well to, to come back to, um, you know, what you mentioned about going to, to, um, that institute or whatever and and like yeah. someone talking about the raw food and then changing the diet we what we have to be mindful of I think always and I'm still I still find myself doing this that there's this tendency to want somebody else to be the expert and to tell me what to do because that just feels like that would be so easy I would really love that but sometimes we can swap the medical doctor for the guru or for the you know whatever it is and I suppose it's it's all, that bit of like always coming back to within what is like back to the embodiment piece like what feels right for me so now I'm in a place where I can read a book about something and it could have a whole section about food in it and I might scan it I might read some of it I might not read it at all I might gloss over it and go to the other parts of that book or that 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 person's teachings it doesn't mean that the teachings aren't valid or they might not be helpful for me but I might not agree with some of that stuff and this might change it might go into other areas as time goes on but I think that the kind of I read somewhere recently, like the day of the guru is nearly gone. It's more about community now. We need to be living in community and, and like, you know, doing that work and stuff together in community. And we're always saying it on the page. We're always saying, don't take our word at face value. Listen to your own body. Do your own research, whether that's you're reading actual research articles or you're more, you know, somatically engaged with your body or whatever it is, like, because you don't want to, you know, you don't want the next thing to be, you know, and choose eating to become this dogmatic thing that you have to do and you have to, you know, because yeah. that's the danger of these things, you know, even having a framework sometimes yeah. because people have been doing what you might call intuitive eating and they don't call it that at all. You know, they have other things, other teachings. So it's just really important that we're kind of constantly checking in and tuning in with our own values and our own bodies to feel what a yes feels like, feel what feels right for me. So I just wanted to touch on that for people no. that are listening because 
I've done it so many times where I listen to something. I'm like, that's it. That person has all the wisdom. I'm going to follow them. I'm going to listen to them. And that's it. No, it's so true because it, and I think that for me is probably the biggest thing and maybe taps into a value that I hold really strongly is how do we build that trust with ourselves? How do we build that trust to say, no, this is what matters to me about this thing. And I think it can be, it can be really challenging across all areas, irrespective. So I, and I, I think I really got that sense from the page as well in every moment in time. It's like, this is what I'm sharing. Take from this, what resonates with you. And I guess how, if you were to say to maybe listeners out there who, who feel like, well, two things that I'm thinking about listeners right now. And the first thing I guess is how, you know, building that trust with oneself, like what's what we know, and I'm sure God, that's such a big question as to where we might start, but how could we begin to just start to listen a little bit more? And maybe food's a good starting point. I don't know. But if, if I was to ask you that question, what would come up for you for somebody who's almost could even be listening to say, I don't really know if my relationship with food is that healthy. Maybe it is. They just they're just not sure. And I get that question a lot. Like I've even had questions from from listeners saying that you know, I don't even know if I'm living an authentic life. Like, how do I start to tap into all of these things? Mm-hmm. I, I hope I got all of that because some of it was going in and out there Sinead some of the coverage was maybe poor but um, I think that um, there's a couple of places I suppose where you ask and where, where maybe to start and I think like um, we're so we're so quick to put like you know foods into good camps and bad camps very quickly you know and that's that's all the outside information telling us that and I think that you know even starting uh, you know Starting with questioning, you know, do am I experiencing any of the following? Am I thinking about food 24-7? Do I feel guilty and ashamed for my food choices? Am I maybe not eating certain foods in front of other people? Um, do I find that I have loss of control eating, that if I start eating something, I all of a sudden feel like I can't stop? Um, you know, do I wake up on a Monday morning doing a, a check of what I've eaten all weekend and that that is then telling me what I'm allowed to eat today? Um, am I looking at the clock to tell me what when I should eat? Um, there's so many behaviors that are normalized in society. Um, am I am I saying to myself that I'm, you know, I, I have to be disciplined and, you know, um, you know, watch what I eat or all these words like, you know, watch what I eat or eat in moderation or it's very often code for restriction and dieting. Mm-hmm. Um, and not everybody that you that chooses to diet is going to wind up with like distressed eating behaviors. I'm not suggesting that, but I, th- I do think it's a good place to start to ask yourself, you know, do I really feel at peace with food? Can I go out and enjoy, you know, a spontaneous lunch and, and have a slice of cake on a Wednesday? day with a friend at lunchtime and just be in the moment and enjoy that or would would I see that as being off plan and would that be a problem and then or would I have to maybe earn and like burn that food by maybe going for extra exercise that day or the next day there's so many normalized behaviors in society that actually are not normal and can be very stressful and have a huge impact on our mental and emotional well-being. So I think just doing a little bit of an inventory to see where you're at would be a great place to start. And I'm not saying that like everybody's going to tick a tick a diagnosis of an eating disorder, but it's it's definitely a pause for reflection to say, you know, maybe actually I am impacted by diet culture and maybe I am dieting and maybe actually it's not serving me and what can I do with that? And I think a, a great place to start with the intuitive eating framework is, um, I think it's principle number six, like discover the satisfaction sac- factor. Like 
right now, like the next meal that you have, could you ask yourself, what do I really want? What would be really satisfying to me, my body in this moment right now? And not just in this moment, but what would feel good, you know, in in an hour's time or two hours time after I've eaten it? Because we don't often actually ask ourselves that what would be really satisfying to eat mm-hmm. um because we're you know we're once again we're following the rules and that's telling us what we should and shouldn't be eating but i find that that was a bit of a game changer in the beginning just like every meal was an opportunity to say what do i really want right now that's so interesting because i heard you say that on on your page and we were out with a group a couple of weeks ago and Whilst I feel like I don't have any hard and fast food rules, and I think this could be interesting as well for listeners, sometimes they can be really subtle. You're not even, you may not even classify it as a rule. And for me, so there was like an option they had, I can't remember, I think it was like a fillet, I don't know the exact type of steak it was, I think it was fillet, but they were doing fillet for two. It was like six couples and everyone was getting it and I was going to share it with my husband and I was thinking, so... I was trying to tap into what you actually feel like. And my default was to have fish because I don't read there's something I clearly have steak in some sort of a, I don't know what my rule is around that, but there's something. Yeah. Um, and then I just, so I tapped in more. I was like, no, that is actually what I want. I want to share that with him. And I know it's such a small thing, but it just, it just, it was so satisfying. And whereas I know that I would have gotten the fish and I would have been having a pick at his and kind of like, really genuinely loving everything that came with his and the sides etc and it's just that small thing that actually made me feel and and you know genuinely this has been on the I feel like I've had an interesting journey with with food and health over the years and I feel like I'm in a generally good space in terms of what that feels like but over the past few weeks really just I've shared your page with quite a few people just to say that those little messages have really really helped so I think it's we could feel like we're in a decent space, but there's, it's been so conditioned that there's still these little things that can hold us back or form these rules around our choices. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, they can be so subtle. Um, yeah. But what would have happened if you, or let's say not you, but like if you, yeah. if we go for the fish, but we really want the steak, what happens then is we try to fill up that kind of void where we're not fully satisfied and then we might want the dessert then we might might want to go home and we might have more tea and biscuits because we're we're trying to look for that satisfaction but actually if we just had the steak when we really wanted the steak that would have likely filled us and been super satisfying and that would have been it yeah and we are living in a world of rules right because we just happen to be Mm -hmm. talking about food right now you know yeah the choices you make around your health your birth your whether or not I mean, we're definitely not going to get into a conversation around COVID or any of that. Oh God, no. <laughs> it's really scary because it's like, you know, it's like to tap, to trust yourself, to tap into, I don't need yes. to know the science behind certain decisions yeah. I make. Right. So I, I typically don't get into discussion around certain things because I'm not the type who will have like seven papers beside me to be able to kind of validate my choice to someone who is a stronger science. Mm-hmm. Backer. But sometimes I just know, and that's okay. Um, and I think that it's it, it's this, and that's where I talk about opening up this conversation even more, which is how do we just build that trust with ourselves more generally? You know, mm-hmm. look at the little decisions we're making in life. Like, I don't know whether it's, well, we put the kids into summer camp. How long does it make, take for you to take that decision? Do you have to, to you know, it, it's just all, and I think that's what I'm interested in as well. Is there anything that you could talk to in terms of how you've built that trust with yourself kind of yeah, mm-hmm. in interior trust that is kind of filtering out into all aspects of life yeah I would I would say to that Sinead that um 
and I was just thinking as you were speaking earlier as well, Sinead, the for me it's where is the curiosity and compassion? How can I bring what does curiosity and compassion feel like to me in my body? And then asking myself the question, you know, whether it's food and intuitive eating, someone's listened to this podcast. Can I tune in and ask myself, is this something I'd like to know more about? Is this an area I feel in my life there there is another layer of healing in this for me? And slowing it down, because I remember at the start of my intuitive eating journey, I remember saying to Sinead once, right, I'm going all in now with intuitive eating. This is it. And Sinead's just stopped me. She's like, that sounds more like more diet mentality, you know, the all or nothing. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, totally does. So I was like, okay. So just trying to slow down and kind of listen from a place of, um, you know, because it's really hard, like, and this, this takes a long time because listening to your gut instinct and your intuition, like something happens in your body. So sometimes I ask people, like I might say to somebody, um, you know, um, yeah, like if you ask yourself, you know, you know the way some people hate mushrooms, for example, or a food that you really don't like, and you listen to your body and you ask your body, do you like mushrooms? And then you get the no and you see what it feels like. And then you might think of a food that you really like, or you can do this with something else if food is too charged. But like if I listen to my body and say, do I like chocolate? I can feel my body saying yes. Mm-hmm. So like we're trying to learn what the what our gut feelings or intuition feels like in the body and it just takes a long time so we just have to get curious and be compassionate because also if you start this journey with intuitive eating or if you are in a place where you are restricting and you're trying to control your health control your body size it can be really scary to think about changing anything so we can and and you mentioned resistance at one point like that resistance you know, because that resistance is there, it feels like it's protecting us. It feels like this control feels like safety, but actually it's not that that safety is an illusion. So we have to bring compassion and kindness into this to be able to slowly let go of those layers, those protectors that are there that, you know, keep that resistance going. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, for me, it's now a very soft process. And I'm, I'm looking at myself as I'm, as I'm here, you know, I put my hands on my body a lot, my hand on my heart, my hand on my belly, slowing down, just taking a few deep breaths. And that helps me make decisions from a different place. I would have always made decisions from my mind, whereas making a decision Mm -hmm. from, from a very different place. It's, and that's, again, I suppose for me, we're having a mindfulness practice and a connection to my body and a connection to something greater than myself um, has really helped me um, on this journey. I think like what comes to mind for me is as well as like unplugging and separating you from fear from the outside fear and whether we're talking about food fear whether we're talking about you know you mentioned kids and deciding where to put them to summer camp or whether it's covid fear you know all that's happening at the moment again how do we unplug from that and that might be you know what about turning off the news for a while what about not scrolling on social media for a while what about not having certain conversations that are triggering or activating with family or friends what about like trying to unplug from all of that outside noise and fear and literally just asking yourself the question, well, what do I feel and like, you know, am I fearful about this? What's what's my as Gillian said, like, it's really difficult to put like words on a gut feeling or the the intuition or the instinct. There's, it's difficult to define what that looks like or what that's like in your in your body. Each of us are so different. For me, I find my gut instinct can can be, you know, my it can be some words in my mind. Like I get a very clear 
yes or no knowing in my mind. And I feel it in my body more in recent years because things like, you know, doing some yoga more regularly, I, I'm beginning to feel physical sensations just all around more generally in my body. So I can definitely tap into that. But I think, yeah, I think we have to be careful about the all the information that we're absorbing from the outside, whether that's diet culture and all that goes with it and so much more in other areas. Yeah. Gosh, I could stay chatting and I'm looking at the time and I'm like, I just before before we before we wrap up, I guess what? And, you know, this is maybe the question to both of you or individually. And um, as you look ahead in, in the next few months or even year, I guess, what's your aspirations for the work that you're doing today? Wow. Well, um, you know, at the moment, it's it's feeling really good. Um, I don't know, I suppose, where that's going to go. I'm really I'm in the moment at the, at the moment. I'm in the middle of conversations with some other um, people on the Internet. Uh, we're talking about a passion project that we'd love to get involved in. Um, and it's just at the really early stages, I would love to have some kind of um, resource or um, maybe a program, maybe some kind of, uh, we don't know what that's going to look like yet, but something around how we can actually focus on health and well-being, uh, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual well-being without dieting and restricting ourselves or standing on a weighing scale or letting a number on a weighing scale dictate anything about what we're doing with our lives. So that's really important to me because I feel like that I'm still like, yeah, I still have a lot of energy for it right now because I've got young kids coming up and I just, I know I can't wrap my kids in in bubble wrap, right? I, I know I can do all the body positive talk at home and I can like not have any food rules in the house and I can do all of these things. I know I can. Um, and I can talk really, I can talk really positively about my own body, etc. But ultimately, they're still going to have to go out to this, this world we live in that's super complex. And they're going to be, um, they're going to have peers and they're going to have teachers and they're going to have other people in their lives they're going to meet along the way that, you know, could, could absolutely impact them negatively when it comes to their relationship with food and body. And one of the things is even our big national uh, weight loss show. And I'd love to see that taken down. I'd love to see that gone and or at least revamped and I say that with like I've no I've no uh, I've no issue with anybody that's involved in that it's not a personal thing at all but I think actually it's hugely problematic so I would love to pursue that at this point and continue to support the community that we've helped grow maybe just let listeners know just for people in the UK as well who may not be as familiar with that show just a quick um quick snapshot yeah, so we have a we have an Irish show. Um, am I allowed to name it? <laughs> Is yeah. So we've got an Irish show called Operation Transfer. Sued. Sued. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not, I'm not saying anything that's not fact, right? So it's a it's called Operation Transformation, and it runs every year for um eight weeks, and they uh, I think it's eight weeks, and they bring on like five or six contest uh, participants every year. And basically they stand on a weighing scale in very skimpy clothing in front of the Irish public um, to be ridiculed and judged. And basically they're given a very, very low calorie diet um, and intense exercise for the week. And they all usually use a lot of weight temporarily. But 
we know in the long run, as with any diets, this is not sustainable long term. And there's been 11 seasons of this show and there's there's been no evidence to suggest that this actually improves health long term. So it's just about high time that we question this and say, hold on a minute. Is this contributing to our rates of disordered eating and uh, subsequently, obviously, eating disorders, which are skyrocketing at the moment? They've gone through the shot through the roof um, in 2020 with all of the isolation and the stress and the trauma that was 2020. So we've a huge problem with um you know, eating disorders and disordered eating in Ireland. And this show is hugely problematic. So, and it's also contributing to weight stigma. So how people in Ireland are treated when they're living in bigger bodies, how they're often targeted. Uh, so it's just, it's just incredibly harmful how they're treated by the healthcare system and by the public and how uh, each and every day are discriminated against uh, whether that's whether we're talking about like clothing, not not having adequate clothing sizes in most shops in Ireland, um, you know, issues with transport. And there's just so many areas in which is hugely problematic. Um, so we need to we need to continue to highlight this. And that I'm I'm super passionate about that. And we'll continue to do that uh, as, as as long as I have the energy to do so. So that's kind of where I'm at. What about you, Jill? <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> hard to follow that up um no for me <laughs> yeah. no you know what um a couple of weeks ago was it last weekend the week before we 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 met in person with about there was about 15 or 16 of us mm. we went out to diamond hill in connemara we climbed it and we went for a swim and then we we had food and the lovely misunderstood her and food truck and we stood in the rain because it was lashing rain and we just got to meet people that we connected with on the page and that for me you know, at the moment, I'm I'm so passionate about the page and the community. For me, the online stuff, I've just had to take a step back because I I, I just realised, you know, I have a sensitive nervous system. I say, and I just find I find it really hard to regulate that actually. So I just find, you know, I'm just going to take a little bit back. As you know, we've been through this mad time together. A lot of stuff is up, so I'm just kind of focusing on that as well. And but but I'd love to see more of the in person stuff. And what was so nice was that you know my seventh neighbor coming back into town and there were people who hadn't known each other who were going to meet up later in the day and people other people making the connections the community stuff you know mm-hmm. that for me really lights me up and i i'm you know i am you know i want more of that personally and i'd love to share that message to other people like you know for me it's my women's circles and my you know my friendships and meeting new people actually who you know maybe you know, values have shifted in the last year or two and just connecting with other people who who share the values that, you know, I have now mm. and I'm I'm changing as a person myself and wanting to meet in real life. And I'd love to see that message on the page. And that's, you know, about that kind of connection and how healing that is for people. And I think we really need that going forward, that kind yeah. of community connection and healing. So that's what I'm excited about for the next year. Yeah, I love that. But I love that, that we have, um, it's already started where we kind of set up a WhatsApp group and, there are others now putting forward like, okay, I'm meeting, let's meet on this date and let's meet on that date. And I love that because what has been so important to us from the get go is like, we don't want to be centered in this. We're not the face of anything. We're not, we're not, we're not the leaders of anything. We're not experts in anything. We're not, it's not about us. And I love that the community is starting to evolve where we're like, you know, we're, we're able to just pull back and let others get as involved as they want to be involved. So that's really lovely and powerful. So looking forward to seeing where that goes and obviously we want to be a part of it as well they're not going to get a, they're not going to try and head off now without us or anything but I hope I can join one of them in time if I ever if I ever get back yeah. to Ireland 
um you know Gillian you said something and I'm just like oh we were kind of coming to a closing and now I can't let it go where you just talked about your shift in values which is right up here and the courage to be which is something we talk about a lot that's something you'd be open to sharing in terms of what that shift has looked like for you this year yeah so for me the, in the past year I suppose um you know what what I realized is is freedom is a, is a value that's so important to me that I, I just didn't realize you know and it, and it comes in, in, in it 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 centers in so many areas of my mm. life now like food freedom is a massive part of it but just all also in other aspects of my life and and, and yeah it just made me think a little bit more you know I you know I'm in my mid-30s and what do I want my life to look like you know we're, we're so programmed to kind of you know you know have the mortgage then am, am I tied financially like where's financial freedom for example do you know so it, it comes up in lots of areas of my life so I'm just thinking about that like what do I need like what how do I want to live how do I want to connect with people you know this kind of the capitalist world that we live in do I want to be you know so hooked into that that I'm not free you know or what does freedom look like to me you know so um spending time in nature for example and swimming in the sea like that's where I I feel it I feel free I feel it doesn't matter what else is happening I feel good in those moments so yeah I'm just I'm in conversation with it at the moment you know and it's just it's it's great I'm I'm taking it as a gift out of all the stuff that I've struggled with in the last year which has been you know loads of things mm. um that actually I feel today's a good day <laughs> so I feel very positive about it yeah. if it was two weeks ago I probably would have been saying something very different <laughs> but uh no I feel uh yeah I'm just looking forward to to thinking about these things and also I feel like I'm meeting people who are in similar places who want to talk about this stuff mm. who don't just want to do the programmed thing that we think we're supposed to do or that the generation before us did or whatever it is or that our peers are doing that we just feel the freedom to question and say hang on a minute here and so you know, that's and that's that is with the food stuff, because a lot of the people we talk to on the page, they are the first person within their friend group, within their family to actually question diet culture. So, you know, it takes courage to actually step out of sometimes what you think, you know, you should be doing, you're supposed to be doing. So, yeah, so that's a that's yeah, a, it takes huge courage to face the fear of maybe being rejected or maybe being ridiculed or judged by those you love around you, whether it's family or peers and that's really that can be really challenging so I think yeah it takes that huge courage to take a leap into that freedom guys thank you so much this has been awesome thank uh, you thank you for thank having you. us so enjoyable yeah thanks a million thank you so much for listening if there's something that you've heard in this episode that has resonated with you or perhaps you think it could benefit someone else then please do share this link or start the conversation If you haven't done so already, click on the subscribe button in your listening app. And as always, I really value your feedback. So please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And for more information, full show notes, links and resources, you can pop over to my website, SineadMillard.com. See you next time back here on The Courage To Be.